Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Wishing you a happy new year. Yes, it is 2022. I'd like to thank you for coming back for another year, another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. Now, if 2020 rocked the world and certainly the travel industry, 2021 put it to the test. It certainly was a roller coaster year. Today, we're taking a look in the rearview mirror at 2021. How did the travel industry rebound and handle the ups and downs and the curveballs thrown our way? Well, that's what we're talking about today. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and a culture report. We also have some exciting news for you. The Black Holocaust Museum to reopen in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Airline cancellations aren't the only travel industry problem. Yeah, there's another one looming, and I'll tell you all about it. Dr. Fauci says that the U.S. should consider vaccine mandates for U.S. air travel. And the U.S. lifts the restrictions for Southern African countries. Kenya and South African Airways are merging. And ASTA, the American Society of Travel Advisors, reacts to the CDC guidance to avoid cruise travel. Let's dive into some travel news. The Black Holocaust Museum is going to reopen thanks to a $10 million donation. A $10 million grant from an anonymous donor means that America's Black Holocaust Museum will reopen in Milwaukee next month. And this is welcome news because the museum has been struggling for years to remain open. The museum was founded in 1988, closed in 2008, and in 2017, ground was broken for a new site in the Bronzeville neighborhood of Milwaukee. Its struggles were due to a lack of artifacts, exhibits, staff, and educational programming. But now, according to Dr. Robert Davis, president and CEO of the museum, thanks to the $10 million donation made through the Greater Milwaukee Foundation, the museum has been able to hire staff, finish the last three exhibits, and purchase an additional building for educational space. Dr. Davis added, at a time of hyperpolarization, we're in dire need of safe spaces and opportunities created to bring us together to explore difficult issues, to learn, and to celebrate our history. The re-emergence of the museum is critical at this time for Bronzeville, Milwaukee, and nationally. Davis, who was hired in 2019, has been hosting virtual exhibits as well as five book clubs throughout the pandemic. Davis said the mission of the museum will be to actually bring to life the effects of colonialism, slavery, and Jim Crow that are still in place now. And the airline cancellations aren't the only travel industry problem. What is the other? Well, it's finding 40,000 new pilots. As airlines struggled with the most recent holiday flight cancellations caused by staff being stricken by the coronavirus, there's another problem that's on the horizon and that could bring another problem to the sector. It's a significant pilot shortage triggered by mandatory retirement ages for those 65 years old. Longtime air analyst Helene Becker of Cohen estimates the industry may need 35 to 40,000 new pilots over the next decade. This is to offset an increase in retirements and to keep pace with the travel demand. Becker is quoted as saying, we have all these pilots who come on staff in the 1980s and they are approaching 65 years old. Yahoo Finance Live note that many will opt to retire at the age of 62. Based on this modest recovery scenario, they believe that a global pilot shortage 
will emerge in certain regions no later than 2023. That's just next year, and most probably even before that. However, with a more rapid recovery and greater supply shocks, this could be felt as early as later this year. Regarding magnitude in most likely scenarios, there's a global gap of 34,000 pilots by 2025. Now, this could be as high as 50,000 in the most extreme scenarios. So, in the meantime, they're building a pipeline of new pilots, and this is on the back burner for an airline industry that is just trying to survive. I mean, just look at the past holiday season and how it was pretty much crippled with cancellations due to weather and staffing shortages due to the coronavirus. So, folks, if you're young and looking for a new career, you might want to consider becoming a pilot. Dr. Fauci, the top U.S. infectious disease expert, he is saying that the nation should consider a vaccination mandate for domestic air travel, signaling a potential embrace of an idea the Biden administration had previously eschewed as COVID-19 cases are spiking. Fauci said that such a mandate might drive up the nation's lagging vaccination rate as well as confer stronger protection on flights for which federal regulations require all those aged two and older to wear a mask. Fauci's approach, he's quoted as saying, when you make vaccination a requirement, that's another incentive to get more people vaccinated. And this was told to MSNBC by Dr. Fauci. And he also added, if you want to do that with domestic flights, I think that's something that seriously should be considered. Now, the Biden administration so far has really balked at that idea at imposing vaccination requirements for domestic air travel. Two officials said Biden's science advisors have yet to make a formal recommendation for such a requirement to the president. The officials who spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss internal deliberations said a vaccine mandate on planes could trigger a host of logistical and legal concerns. Logistical meaning that this has to be checked at check-in. Biden did not respond to questions on whether he was considering implementing a domestic air travel vaccination requirement, but he did tell reporters the subject was discussed on a call with the nation's governors recently. The U.S. is lifting its restrictions on Southern African countries. The White House lifted travel restrictions on several Southern African countries in time, a month after it was implemented following the emergence of the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. Now, it was first put into place on November 29th. The ban prohibited the entry of non-U.S. citizens from eight different countries, including South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Lesotho, Etswani, Etswatini, Mozambique, and Malawi. And this was at the time the U.S. had been joined by nations around the world in implementing these stricter travel measurements against the African countries. South Africa felt that they were being unfairly targeted because they were doing their due diligence. We don't know if the Omicron variant originated in South Africa. We do know that South African scientists were amongst the first countries to identify the new variant. The travel restrictions imposed by that proclamation are no longer necessary to protect the public health, Biden said. He also mentioned that since he issued that proclamation, our nation's health officials, in collaboration with the South African scientists who originally reported the variant, have made substantial progress in understanding the Omicron variant. Importantly, scientific experts have determined that people who are vaccinated against COVID-19 are protected against severe disease and hospitalization from the Omicron variant, quoted by the South African scientists. The Omicron variant was first reported to the World Health Organization on November 24th and has since spread to more than 100 countries. Omicron has quickly become the dominant variant in the United States, accounting for at least 95% of all cases over the most recent holiday period. And this is according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. While foreign nationals are allowed to enter the United States, they are required to be vaccinated. All international travelers, including citizens returning from abroad, are also required to get tested within one day of boarding a flight. And you have to produce that negative test. Kenya and South African Airways 
are set to merge into a Pan-African airline. Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta has announced that the national airline of its country and that of South Africa will merge to establish a Pan-African airline. The president made this known during this new year address to the country on December 31st, 2021. According to President Kenyatta, the move is equally aimed towards continental integration, the boost to tourism, trade, and social engagement, and to bolster continental integration. Or our national carrier, Kenya Airways will join hands with our partners in South Africa to establish a Pan-African airline. The two airlines earlier confirmed in a joint statement saying one of the pillars to achieve this is coming together and combining assets to provide a more robust and ultimately competitive aviation ecosystem to pursue the commercial viability of both carriers. And ASTA. The American Society of Travel Advisors has a reaction to the CDC guidance that suggests to avoid cruise travel, regardless of vaccination status. Zane Kirby, president and CEO of the American Society of Travel Advisors, issued the following statement in response to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Updated guidance on COVID-19 and cruise ship travel recommending that cruise travel be avoided regardless of vaccination status. An increase in reported COVID cases on cruise ships should surprise no one given the worldwide spike driven by the highly transmissible Omicron variant. The difference between enjoying a cruise vacation and visiting your local grocery store or restaurant, however, is the extraordinarily stringent anti-COVID measures put in place voluntarily by the cruise lines in close consultation with the CDC. These measures include testing, vaccination, sanitation, mask wearing, and other science-backed measures, as well as protocols to respond to potential cases of COVID-19. Further quoted saying, if the average cruise ship were a US state, it would be the safest in the country. According to Royal Caribbean Group, since cruising restarted in the US in June, 2021, its ships have carried 1.1 million guests with 1,745 people testing positive, a positivity rate of 0.02% among U.S. states as of January 4th, Alaska's positivity rate is the lowest at 9.4%, with Georgia being the highest at 38.7%. Cruising is no more responsible for the spread of the Omicron variant than travelers from South Africa were at the outset of the current crisis. But we continue to see knee-jerk reactions singling out industry, singling out travel for discriminatory treatment. Because the travel industry is regulated more heavily than other activities, when COVID cases rise or new variants emerge, travel takes the hit. It brings to mind the old saying, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. This pattern needs to stop. The administration has shown flexibility on its anti-COVID measures of late, including the recent decision to lift the November 26 travel ban on eight countries in Southern Africa. We call on it to do the same here. At this stage of the pandemic, the tools exist to allow us to combat the virus without crippling an entire sector of the U.S. economy in the process. Let's use them. Zane Kirby, President and CEO of the American Society of Travel Advisors. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and a look back at travel in 2021. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Again, Happy New Year to you. Yeah, 2022, here we go. And I'm very, very anxious to see what 2022 has in store for travel. 
Before we take a look back, let's take a look ahead to where Traveling Culturati and Advantage International is going to take you in 2022. We are going some fantastic places. Dubai, actually Dubai is very, very popular, mainly because of the World Expo or the Dubai Expo. So we're going February 15th through the 22nd. We're also going to Dubai and the Maldives, February 23rd through March 6th. And then again in March, which is the last month, in the last few days or so of the Dubai Expo with AfroZone's Dubai Sound Off, March 3rd through the 9th. You can find that one at AdvantageGroupTravel.com. We're also going to Fiji, April 27th through May 5. Yes, we are. And Greece, September 1st through the 9th. And we have some more destinations that we are going to share with you in the very near future. To stay up to date with our travel schedule and lineup, go to TravelingCulturati.com. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. Well, it certainly is a time that we have to update our travelers checklist. And so I wanted to look at some of these things that we really have to look at and updating and adding to that list with travel safety tips during the pandemic. One, I do highly recommend you get vaccinated and boosted. Many countries are now requiring travelers to be vaccinated in order to visit the country. Not all, but some are making that requirement. I also recommend that you ditch the cloth masks on their day-to-day basis, but certainly when you travel, you should travel with N95s. And traveling with disposable masks, you want to bring two to three per day. If you're doing the regular medical masks, you may want to double up. A test for you is to see if you can blow out a flame with your mask on. If you can, your mask is not protecting you and you are not protecting other people as well. If you cannot blow out the flame, then you are being protected by wearing your mask. Get travel insurance. It's almost no longer even an option. You really should get traveler's insurance and one that includes medical coverage and one that's going to assist you in the event you test positive for COVID, especially if you're in a different country. Register for STEP, the Smart Traveler Enrollment Program. Now, some of these are not new to my traveler's checklist or recommendations or top tips, but they do require some repeating. Identify COVID protocols at the destination to include requirements to get there. And what happens should you test positive? So many times we just look at what are the requirements to get there. But again, look at the protocols for if you test positive and you cannot return, where are you going to quarantine? How are you going to quarantine? And how often you can get tested? And when can you return? All of those things. Have hand sanitizer, sanitizing wipes, and gloves. Yes, take gloves with you. Not that you wear them every day, but you take them, disposable gloves, so that you can wear them in the event you need to. Let's say some public facilities you may want to put gloves on. And identifying an emergency contact person. Again, this is one of my regular travel tips, but again, it bears repeating that you identify, you share that information with them, and that you always make sure that you have a plan B. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. So let's take a look at 2021. How it happened? What went down <laughs> in the travel industry? There's so many things that happened. As I said, it was a roller coaster year. Some ups and downs. It put travel to the test. How are we going to navigate the coronavirus and travel and continue to live? I think we're all understanding at this point that it's not going away tomorrow. We're really just looking for the time where it becomes endemic. Endemic is it's here to stay but we're not going to have these peaks and valleys that it's going to be pretty stable and manageable, just like we are currently dealing with any cold or flu virus. Not comparing it to the cold or flu because it hasn't reached that level yet. It has to become endemic in order to do that. So how do we navigate? And that's what 2021 put to test for us in the travel industry. We all hunkered down for 2020 
and had our travel plans canceled and postponed, and we looked to 2021 with high hopes. There were new travel restrictions and protocols that were put into place to keep air travel and crossing borders safe and as low as transmissions as possible. And for the holidays at the end of 2020 and bringing in the new year of 2021, yeah, most of us did that virtually. But that all changed when you look at the end of 2021 and bringing in the new year of 2022. Yeah, even I traveled home for the holidays to spend with my parents, which I hadn't done in almost two years. So yes, things did change. But the U.S. opened its borders in November of 2021 for fully vaccinated travelers and a negative COVID test. Then within 72 hours, but soon changed it for a testing window of 24 hours. Now, the United States had shut down its borders for international travel for 18 months. So for 18 months, no foreign travel was coming into the United States. And that all changed in November. So there were many pandemic milestones with that international travel ban, opening the doors to vaccinated travelers. There were 33 countries that were barred from entering the United States, and that included the United Kingdom, South Africa, Brazil, and much of Europe. So it wasn't all of international travel that was banned. It was 33 countries. Airlines and hotels and others certainly stand to benefit from the end of those restrictions. Visitors will have to show, as I mentioned before, vaccination to enter the United States along with the proof of a negative COVID test. But some other things certainly did happen in 2021 that were very defining and put us through the test. One was violence on planes. We just had so many issues. It's like you knew you have to wear the mask before you got on the plane because it was told to you on the website when you booked. We all received text messages and emails reminding us when we checked in for the flight, we were reminded again. But then we had these individuals who just decided, you know, I'm on the plane already, so I'm just going to take my mask off and I don't want to put it back on. And violence ensued. Some attributed it to alcohol, but I think it was really just this self-righteousness. Passengers were emboldened by these political views on personal freedoms and some who were fueled by alcohol. Yeah, it was a mix of the two, but I think it was more of the former. There were numerous flight attendants who were physically assaulted, including several that needed medical attention. So much so that the Justice Department said that it would step up criminal prosecution in banning these travelers from flying again, putting them on the no-fly list, but also fining them, hefty fines. But the violence was and remains certainly a disturbing element of air travel. And its increase was certainly exacerbated by the return of air travel. And it kind of happened overnight. We were pretty much all still kind of locking down the first part of 2021. But as the spring and summer ensued, and then we had Memorial Day, and it continued through the 4th of July holiday that we saw the biggest spikes of travel. And then again, for Thanksgiving, and then the Christmas season, we were back to almost 2019 numbers for those specific holidays. So travel just continued to increase starting in the spring of 2021. But that return of travel proved a little bit problematic. The federal government doled out $54 billion in grants and loans to keep airlines afloat during the pandemic. And carriers tried to stem those losses of offering buyouts and other early retirement to workers. But that proved to be problematic when air travel returned sooner than later. Airlines were a bit caught off guard and they weren't prepared. They had staff shortages and were trying to get people back. And they also had flight shortages because they had parked some planes and had reduced routes and frequencies of flights. So, yeah, travel came back quickly. (laughs) That was part of the problem that people thought it would be, the airline industry thought it would be this slow burn, this gradual increase in travel. But when Memorial Day came, it was just like a light switch that the airlines didn't know what to do with. So that also created some other problems, which were unprecedented delays and cancellations. And a lot of that had to do with staff shortages and 
things that really caused the problem. Spirit Airlines had a similar problem, and even American Airlines was caught unprepared. Several factors were involved. The common denominator in each were staffing shortages that kept the airlines from moving their crews to the right places. I know when I traveled over the 4th of July holiday, all of my flights were delayed. Actually, one was canceled, and then I was put on a connecting flight versus a nonstop flight because they were trying to consolidate flights and schedules. And on each of the flights that I was on, we had to wait for crew to come in. But the flight that was canceled was because they didn't have enough crew. So crew was a problem or staffing shortages. Alcohol service came under fire. Going back to one of the earlier points of violence on planes. And so some airlines stopped alcohol service and some are just returning alcohol service this month. I mean, it started with not offering beverage service on the planes because they didn't want you to remove your masks and so forth. So as they brought back service of regular beverages and food and said that you could remove your mask to eat or drink, they didn't bring back alcohol because they didn't really want to exacerbate this problem of violence as well. So on some airlines, alcohol service is still suspended until I believe January 18th. And some have already brought it back. They brought it back as late as November with the resumption of alcohol sales. Actually, the flights that I was on over the holidays, they did offer alcohol service and that was on United Airlines. And speaking of United, United issued a vaccine mandate for its employees. Yes, even President Biden issued his verdict of vaccination mandates that all federal contractors must have their employees vaccinated against COVID-19, which included virtually every U.S. airline. And United Airlines in August became the first carrier to mandate that all its workers be vaccinated. And they said at the time that they only had about 500 or so flight attendants and or crew who decided that they would not return because they did not want to get the vaccine. JetBlue launched London flights. So it's always nice to see a discount carrier move into the international market because we get competitive rates. That was in August. JetBlue officially entered the transatlantic market. New nonstop service between New York's JFK International Airport and London's Heathrow. And it was the first time the airline served a destination beyond more than 100 cities. It serves through the Americas. Department of Justice threatened American Airlines and JetBlue for their alliance. The alliance agreement between American Airlines and JetBlue Airways announced in 2020 became the subject of a Department of Justice lawsuit in September of 2021. The Department of Justice in six states filed lawsuits saying that such a deal between the two carriers would eliminate competition and drive up the cost of airfares, particularly in New York and Boston. And the trial is scheduled for September of 2022. Now, talking again about the shortages of staff and crew, so the airlines started offering incentives for those working on the holidays. Pilots and flight attendants and other crew members were given either double pay. Pilots were given actually triple pay because there was such a shortage. And to avoid those huge looming delays and cancellations, we still suffered major cancellations and delays, but this was certainly an incentive over the holiday period as they knew so many people would be traveling. So some great holidays incentives from the period from Thanksgiving through to New Year's Eve. Southwest says that it would not fire unvaccinated workers, even though the Biden administration's mandate that all federal employees and contractors must be vaccinated or face termination or unpaid leave. It did not go over well with some companies. In fact, at that point in October, Southwest CEO Gary Kelly said he would not place unvaxxed workers on unpaid leave. And then the Omicron hits. Yeah, we talked about it a couple of times with South African countries that were banned, put on that no-fly list for the United States, and other countries put them on the list as well. But the dominant variant in the United States prior to Omicron was the Delta variant. 
The new Omicron variant hit just after being discovered in South Africa. The U.S. responded with new travel restrictions on more than a half dozen Southern African nations and tightening of COVID-19 entry requirements. And as he said earlier, they have since been lifted. And the Las Vegas airport will be getting a new name. The airport name, McCarran International Airport, is named after the former U.S. Senator from Nevada, and it was named after him seven decades ago. Well, the Clark County Commission officials voted to change the name due to the anti-Semitic past of the former U.S. Senator. We don't know what that new name is going to be yet, but let's see what will happen. You know, I never really called it by McCarran International Airport. Just say I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> so let's see what name they will come up with. And, you know, it's something else that happened. Delta Airlines took frequent flyer miles away from the least expensive airfares that they have. I think it shouldn't matter how much the ticket costs. If you're earning miles, you're earning miles. But yeah, they took that away. It decided it would no longer award frequent flyer miles to anyone purchasing basic economy tickets, the airline's cheapest fares. It was a big blow to many passengers who became accustomed to accumulating miles at any price point. And again, are you just saying that I only want travelers who are spending a certain amount of money with us? I think you'll be happy to get any traveler or any flyer, whether it's basic economy or not. I mean, I've bought basic economy tickets before, and I think I should earn my miles if I'm flying on that airline. Let's see if they stick with that, because other airlines did not follow suit. Now, domestic travel has been the most dominant travel globally. Most people, especially those in large-sized countries, were traveling domestically. So we were discovering our own countries, and that really led the way for travel and the leisure travel experience of 2021. And the countries that did the most domestic travel were the United States, Brazil, China, and Russia. But when you look at them geographically, they have the largest land masses. So they have more diversity in travel. For example, in the United States, we have mountains, we have beaches, cities and countrysides, small towns. So there's so many options and varieties and the national parks really topped the list as well. A lot of people really took to the road and visited the national parks. And I'm happy to see that because the national parks have a lot to offer. And you've also heard me say a lot of times too, that there's a lot of black history and heritage trails that are in the national parks. So I was really happy to see that. Most of us stayed put and leisure travel also led destinations and travel in 2021. Business travel hasn't come back and it's coming back very, very slowly. I do know that some conferences did take place in 2021. Their attendance certainly weren't what they were before. And analysts are really saying that leisure travel will take some time to come back. So maybe in 2023, we'll see it return to pre-pandemic levels. And then also the Middle East really revived travel to various Middle Eastern destinations, 60% benchmark in the second half of 2021. Most notably, Turkey really climbed to 33% in the first half and then to 67% in the second half. And this is of pre-pandemic levels. And travel to Egypt grew 37% to 72% and Dubai just remained a top destination. It was a top destination in 2019 and still a top destination in 2021. And as I said, we have three trips going in the first quarter of 2022. So it's going to be a strong destination for 2022 as well. But Doha overtook Dubai as an air transit hub. The top airlines by scheduled capacity in 2021 were American Airlines, Delta Airlines, Southwest, and United Airline. And that's in that order. Let's look at the top 10 countries with the most tourism in 2021. France topped the list, and this includes international travelers. France topped the list with 89,400,000. Spain followed with 83.7 million. 
Then the United States, 79.3 million. Remember I said we reopened the borders in November of 2021, but only 33 countries were on that list. But a large part of those countries were in Europe. So we did have another influx immediately when those borders were lifted from some of those 33 countries. China at 65.7 million. Italy, 64.5 million, Turkey, 51.2, Mexico, 45 million, Thailand, 39.8, Germany, 39.6, and the United Kingdom, 39.4. So those were the top 10 countries with the most tourism in 2021. Well, what about celebrities? Where did celebrities go? in 2021. I always like to see where they go. (laughs) I don't know why. We're all fascinated. I guess it's with the age of social media and all of this, we get that glimpse into their world. But the top 10 destinations for celebrities were Venice, Italy, Barbados, Las Vegas, Belize, Lake Como in Italy, Paris, France, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, Anguilla. I love Anguilla. That is so beautiful. So again, it's one of those places where you just want to go and meditate and peace of mind and just kind of soak up the sun. London, England. Actually, let me give you the others. I have some others here. Amalfi Coast, Italy, one of my faves. And Croatia. Yes, love Croatia. And Maldives. I myself went to the Maldives, but didn't see any celebrities. And when I was in Croatia, celebrities had just left. (laughs) You know, I don't know if you follow TripAdvisor. I do follow TripAdvisor and I do look at them a lot. And so I looked at some of their statistics and numbers from 2021. And they said that more than 44 million new travelers joined TripAdvisor community in 2021. And 2.5 million travelers posted a review for the first time in 2021. More than 7 million new trips and travel itineraries were created on their platform form and travelers took the time to really appreciate. And I like that they recognize that. They said that the word thank you was mentioned over 41 million times in reviews and in forums. They're also stating that new businesses were popping up everywhere this year and they had 309 1,270 new accommodations. There were 109,000 new experiences and 175,000 new restaurants that listed their businesses with trip advisors. And travelers were just really looking for sunshine. Their top destinations were Honolulu, Cancun, Mexico, Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. We're looking at Africa and the Middle East, Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt, nice beach resorts there. These were the destinations that were searched. And then Hurghada in Egypt as well. Those were the top destinations that were searched. And talking about the great outdoors in those outdoor experiences in 2021 that topped the list with TripAdvisor were Denver, Colorado, received 65% more bookings in 2021 compared to 2019, not 2020, but 2019. And the top experience was hiking adventure in the Rocky Mountain National Park from Denver. Sedona, Arizona, beautiful, beautiful place. Bookings in 2021 grew by 116% compared to 2019. Ontario, Canada, increased its bookings by 313 percent in 2021. And again, these are all comparisons to 2019. So these are places that people went to even more than they did in 2019. The Moab, Utah and La Fortuna de San Carlos, Costa Rica. Those are the top ones that people flock to. You know, I really like to see that there were so many domestic destinations like Denver and Sedona, And then even within North America, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful to know that people are traveling domestically. Let's hope that that stays. I know I'm looking at some wonderful destinations for the United States. There's so many wonderful experiences. But I do want to finish up with a raspberry award. Yeah, I'm going to give somebody a raspberry award. And that is American Airlines. They did something in 2021 that was really, really not nice. And I think everybody agrees with it. Everybody is really upset about it. And this is their new condition of carriage. 
the condition of carriage, which says that if the airline cancels or delays and it's their fault, it's not weather, that they will book you a ticket on another airline, that they'll put you up in these accommodations. Well, they came out with some new conditions of carriage that really stink. So yeah, they get a raspberry award from me. American says that it will no longer be liable if we or our partners cancel a flight or route. What's more, American Airlines says that if the flights are delayed by more than four hours, the only remedy the company must agree to is to issue you a refund. So kind of like saying, yeah, we screwed up, but my bad, you're on your own. Number two, if a delay or a cancellation on American does cause you to miss your flight, the airline will no longer rebook you on the next available flight. It will only look for seats on flights operated by American. American Airlines or its partners. And three, if American strands you somewhere overnight and it's the airline's fault, if there's a mechanical or staffing issue, both of which are common these days, then the company will only pay for a hotel if you obtain written authorization from the airline first. So you have to ask first, you have to get written authorization and then they will accommodate you. So yeah, Raspberry Award to American Airlines. Let's hope this doesn't stick. (laughs) So that's the year in review of 2021. And make sure that you stay tuned for the culture report. And next week, we're going to do looking ahead. We're going to see what's going to happen for 2022 and what we can expect and what some of those travel trends are. But right now, I want you to stay tuned for the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro. The website, travelingculturati.com. Go ahead and check it out. And while you're there, follow us on social media and join that travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. And I am so honored and so excited to have a chat with Nasif Kayed, founder and CEO of the Arab Culturalists, a business consulting firm providing cultural intelligence workshops and an expert advice on Arab and Emirati culture. Well, hello, Nasif, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hello, Jovan. How are you? I am great, thanks. And thank you so much for joining me. I know we have a nine-hour difference. Uh, It's been a bit of a challenge for us, but we made it happen. (laughs) There's always a window of opportunity. (laughs) Always, yeah. You just got to try. Now, I read in your bio that you hold an advanced certification in CQ, from the Cultural Intelligence Center in the United States. So excuse my ignorance, but I didn't know such a certificate existed, let alone here in the United States. So please explain. Yeah, it's different centers really that offer certification, but the one in Pennsylvania, United States of America, has really done a good job of dissecting the concept of how you look at uh, culture and how do you try to understand it and conquer it. So... You know, we took the course, actually it was Malaysia where we went and took the course and took CQ1, CQ2, that way you certified as a trainee and as a trainer, the trainer, train the trainer. It's good, it added to my portfolio of knowledge that, you know, for some people, you know, it is very important for them to get some kind of organized way of trying to understand it. So therefore, what is it that I need to know about a culture that I have no idea about? So we say always, you know... This is the process of how you to follow it. I'm really fascinated by that. One of my aesthetics, especially my travel aesthetics, is a culturally immersive experience when you go to a destination. And so I was really excited. And so was my husband and executive producer of the show, Gene Harley, when he first sat in on one of your workshops when we had a group to Dubai. He was really blown away by your presentation and really wanted me to connect with you. So how and why did you start the Arab Culturalist? 
Well, you know, before this academically stuff that comes out where people try to teach you emotional intelligence, cultural intelligence, lots of different titles. For us, we as an individual, as a human being, when you want to go into a different world of people, people like when I, when I first left here after high school to go to the United States of America, that's in North Carolina, to go there to college. I found out I had no idea who Americans are. I thought that I knew Americans from TV. I remember when they asked me, where are you from? And they could tell only the word Arab. And always, always, I got this question, are you oil-rich Arab? And I started to ask them, what do you mean by oil-rich Arab? So do you have an oil well? I said, yeah, in the backyard. <laughs> uh, and, you know, this is to me, it was like, how do these guys have no idea who we are? I mean, it's the United States of America. They should know better. Right. But they didn't. But then also I had and this is when I started to dissect and differentiate between conception, misconception and perception. I said, wait a second. I've been in North Carolina now for quite some time. Where are the blonde hair, blue eyes women? And they said, what do you mean? I said, blonde hair, blue eyes, women, all of you the guys got brown hair and black hair, ladies, what's going on here? This is where we come from. That's what we have. So how do you know we have blonde hair, blue eyes, women? I said, from TV. I said, oh, you have TV? I said, yeah, we have TV, of course. <laughs> so how can you have a TV in the tent? Like you just asked me if I'm old, rich Arab. And now you ask me if I still live in a tent. Is that real? What are you saying? And this is the shock of my life when I was like, Wait a second. And so therefore, I started to learn how I can explain my culture. My God, I knew none of the answers of the questions that I had in my mind or that the people asked me to tell you the truth. And I started to dig in because, you know, when you're born and raised, you never ask yourself, oh, why do I dress like this? Why do I talk like this? Why do I eat like this? But that's culture. Everything you go about doing the way you're doing it is your culture. When I travel the world and I meet people and I learn more about their culture is that I learn so much more about myself through this process. Now, besides being a rich <laughs> Arab who lives in a tent, <laughs> what, yeah, right. other, what other big misperceptions of the Arab culture that you've come across? Well, it's like, you know, gosh, it's become, you know, thousands of questions throughout time and at different times in different eras it does dictate like what's going on in the media it does dictate the perception of the people so therefore it depends on what's the subject matter of the era but the things that always remain untouched and one of the most frequently asked questions is usually what do you have on what is that thing what do you call your dress and i always joke with them and i say what's your language we don't wear dresses it has a name okay and they say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm like, no, no, no. See, this is how you tense you are. Just relax, ask the question. And I always have to explain, you know, that long white draping cloth that we have and what is that thing on our head? And I always take my article, the black, you know, what we call it, eagle on top of my head and I say, oh, have you ever seen movies of Jesus peace upon him or Moses or Abraham? And they say, yeah. I say, didn't they look like this now? say, oh, gosh, I never thought about that way. I say, yeah, you never see them depicted in movies, in pants and suits and ties, because this is the way they dress humanity. Originally, it's practical. It covers you from the weather element. And then it's modest. It covers your body. There is no difference between body parts and sizes. And I say, well, this is the region where we live in. If you really try to figure out, we not invented after the oil discovery, we actually are a region where Abraham and Jesus, peace be upon them, and Moses, peace be upon him, and Joseph and Mary and Zechariah, all of them, peace be upon them, lived. They never went to America. They never went to Europe. They were here when what we call today Middle East. Oh, I never knew. I, and this is really when you just like open bulbs inside people's heads and they're like, wow, now I am just so fascinated. And they start, like you said earlier, self-reflect. Yes. Why well, never, never I thought of that? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you gave us the name of the headpiece, but what about, and I certainly will not call it a dress, but what about the article? <laughs> it's called of Kandora. Kandora in the UAE. We call it Kandora. And then in Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, we call it Thoub, T H O U B. In Kuwait, we call it Dish Dasha. So each region has a different name and a different color and a different design, a little bit, you know, tweaked to their own liking. But the black ring is called Igal, 
the white scarf on top of your head is called Ghutra, and the entire dress called Kandora. This is in the UAE. Of course, for the ladies, and that's the biggest, second most frequently asked question, why do the ladies wear black? Why do they cover their head? And of course, that's very interesting subject interaction. I always say, look at Mary, peace be upon her, and all her pictures depicted in all churches when you go to church, just take a look. And their scarf is called uh, Sheila. Their dress called Abaya. And it comes in the color black. I'm not going to explain to you everything about why black, but I tell you what, black is very thin, very soft, very light, but yet it's discreet. So therefore, it doesn't show through. Where white, what men wear, does show through. So there is, you know, uh, the lack of being conservative for women, black suits them better. Talking about culture versus religion, because I think that's probably one of the biggest misunderstandings when you talk Mm -hmm. about the Arab culture and the Islamic religion. Yeah, people mix the two. Even born and raised here, you are born and raised by your family and they tell you this is how it is. You know, and sometimes they even go as boldly as God said, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, but you never go back and research it, come to find out that they've been told that by their parents and grandparents wrong. And it actually was culture. And throughout the whole time, they turned it into religion because that's more impacting. And you're like, oh, my God, I don't want to do something wrong with the religion. But it's our job to learn. And our responsibility is to do the research ourselves and to do the findings ourselves. And this is one of my, you know, like blessings in life that I remember at the age of, I would say 13, I was very challenging to my mom and dad. Why does he say that? Like, I remember when I asked my dad, why do we wear white? He said, why? What's wrong with white? I'm like, Dad, I didn't ask you what's wrong with it. I mean, do you really know the reason why all of a sudden all of us nonstop wear white in so many countries like this, especially the GCC countries, which is the Gulf Council countries, by the way. And he didn't know. And until today, a lot of people have a big misconception about that, you know, white is, some of them think it's religion because it's pure. I say, so what is black? And they stay quiet because they don't have an answer. So what about, oh, it reflects heat. I say, what about black? Observes heat. This is why Westerners, when they come here, they say, you are mean men. You chose white for yourself because it reflects heat and you make the women wear black to torture them outside because it, you know, it observes heat. I was like, yeah, but you don't know our culture. Our women torture us inside the house. We torture them outside the house. (laughs) You know, I try to make fun of it, but it's not true. It's all misconception. It has nothing to do with the religion. It has to do with the fact of the matter is just like what I say usually, why jeans is blue. When did it start becoming blue? Why did it remain to be blue for as long as we have had genes from day one? I know the story, by the way. Do share. <laughs> la, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> this is the good things about, you know, when you have a seat for yourselves and, you know, we get our sessions and, you know, good thing about my sessions where they are forever engraved in people's heads that they come to, they say, oh gosh, it's just like all of a sudden so many things make sense to me in this life of culture and misunderstanding of religion. And I'm like, yeah, because it took me, you know, it's a lifetime of experience and questions and research and asking older people, say, where did you come up with this? How did this come about in your life? And this is when you find out the beauty of how things just convert themselves into being part of our lives and we don't know where they started from. But somehow or another, we either put them in the category of religion or put them in the category of culture. And sometimes we just mix the two together. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Such an honor and a pleasure speaking with you. How can someone attend one of your workshops in Dubai? Well, you know, the Arab Culturalist, www.thearabculturalist.com. It's one way you could check with me or send me a message on one of the social medias, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Nasif, N-A-S-I-F-K-A-Y-E-D, Nasif Kayed, my first and last name. Don't hesitate. Anything that you have in mind that you would like to ask me as a question, you feel free, no problem. But at the same time, if you do come to Dubai, please let me know because I could be a great addition to your party, to your group, to your visit over here. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining me. Thank you. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. 
This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information.